1: 630 Chad inside sports with Reed Wilkins weekdays at six on 630 Chad. Well, look at the Calgary
2: Flames go one minute into the second period. The Flames lead the New Jersey Devils four nothing. Andrew Maggiapane has scored twice up to seven goals on the season. Elias Lindholm has also scored. He's up to seven. And Milan Lucic has his first of the year. So the Flames taking it to the Devils. 4-0 early in the second period. Also, Lightning and Penguins, they are scoreless with the second period just getting underway. Coming up tonight, Golden Knights and Avalanche, they're going to drop the puck in uh, a few minutes, actually, and the Sharks and the Predators will square off. The Vancouver Canucks, Back home to take on the Minnesota Wild, and for already the third time this season, it'll be Winnipeg up against Anaheim and another late one tonight, Montreal, with a record of one and five taking on the one four and one Seattle Kraken. That's what's going on on the ice tonight. The Oilers practice today, we'll dive deeper into a couple of stories with them, but I can tell you. Their game tomorrow against the Philadelphia Flyers is on 6.30. Chad, the face-off show will be at 6. Then the game will start at 8. The Oilers sitting on that 5-0 record ever since they won in Vegas on Friday. Baseball tonight. It is, of course, game one of the World Series, Atlanta and Houston. It'll start in a few minutes as uh, that series gets underway. The Atlanta Braves, who... Interestingly enough, uh, you know, through the 90s and into the early 2000s, we're in the playoffs almost every year. And this being 2001, the 30th anniversary of uh, one of the greatest World Series of all time. That 1991 showdown with the Minnesota Twins, I believe that was a worst-to-first series. Both teams had been in last place in their divisions the year before and then met in the World Series. The Braves won a dramatic National League Championship Series 4-3 over the Pirates and then uh, took on the Minnesota Twins in the 91 World Series. Several thrilling games, including an extra inning, 12-inning win for the Braves in Game 3 at Atlanta-Fulton County Stadium. The uh, Braves then took game 4-3-2 to even up the best of 7-2-2. The fifth game was not close. It was uh, 14-5 for the Braves over the Twins. So the home team wound up winning every game in the series. They went back to mini for game 6 and 7. And the Twins won game 6-4-3 in 11 innings. That was a thrilling game. And the uh, legendary Kirby Puckett with a home run in the bottom of the 11th to win it for the uh, Twins. And then Game 7, scoreless into the 10th. Scoreless into the 10th, it went. And uh, finally, the Twins able to win it. Uh, certainly a fondly remembered World Series. Maybe, maybe probably, you know, I mean, if, if for Canadian baseball fans, if you're going to talk about a World Series from that era, well, you're probably going to talk about 92 and 93 because the Blue Jays won it. Six-game series over the Braves in 92 and then another six-game victory over the Philadelphia Phillies on Joe Carter's dramatic home run to take it all in 1993. But uh, 1991 certainly remembered as one of the most dramatic series of all time. So we'll, uh, we'll see Atlanta and Houston go at it tonight. And like, it's funny with Houston because they used to be this kind of underdog favorite team or second favorite team for a lot of people because they were so bad for so many years. I mean, they were kind of, I mean, the Oilers had their decade of darkness where, you know, they were really bad and not really a playoff contender for, well, almost all of those years. And the Astros were kind of similar. I mean, I, I remember even uh, a few years ago filling in for Bob Stoffer on Orlers Now and talking to, for, to somebody out of Houston saying, okay, like, how are the Astros building this? They got a lot of high picks. I, I mean, they had a stretch. Uh, I mean, they did go to the World Series in 2005 and then were just barely over 500 in 2006. And they were over 500 in 2008, but missed the playoffs and then 09, 88 losses, 2010, 86 losses, and then 11, 12, and 13, 106, 107, and 111 losses, respectively. And then they improved to just 92 losses in 2014, and then they missed the playoffs in 2015, and a lot of people were like, hey, Houston's finally good. Let's get on their bandwagon. And then, oh, they kind of were, cheated when they won the world series so that, that in 2017 so that that's not good I, I actually like i had a couple buddies say to me like who will not cheer for houston will not cheer for houston go braves go whoever will not cheer for houston because of the uh, the the scandal with them banging the banging the garbage pails <laughs> To, to tip off the batters to the pitches. Anyway, that's that series gets going tonight. Hey, thanks a lot for tuning in this evening. Reed Wilkins with you. If you want to get in touch, you can do so on the hotline powered by CertainTeed, professional-grade building Materials 780-496-0063. Of course, that's also the number to text in. To email me, it's inside sports at 630shed.com and follow me on Twitter at Reed Wilkins, R-E-I-D-W-I-L-K-I-N-S. So the Oilers once again practice today, getting ready for the Philadelphia Flyers t- tomorrow night. Uh, Philly got into town last night, so they skated after the Oilers practice today. Yeah, things going pretty well for the Oilers. To so be, of course, uh, not perfect, but more good than bad as we move along here so far. And one of the good, one of the positive points so far this year for Edmonton, has been defenseman Evan Bouchard. You may remember about a month ago during the preseason, Dave Tippett called Evan Bouchard an X-factor for the team on defense. And I uh, asked Tip to follow up on that comment today.
1: Well, what I meant by that is he we needed him to step up and take a bigger role. And there's one thing to say it. There's another thing to do it. And uh, the X-factor was whether he would be able to do it or not. And he's moving the right direction in a hurry, which is a good thing for us. So he's come in and he's taken extra minutes on that PK. Um, You know, his defending has been been really strong. His puck movement is still good. So he continues to uh, elevate his game and his minutes go accordingly.
2: Well, yeah, his minutes have gone accordingly. As a matter of fact, when you just look at defensemen, Evan Bouchard is uh, second on the Oilers in ice time. Darnell Nurse, of course, leading the way with 27-37 per game. And then uh, you have Bouchard checking in at twenty-fifteen per game, and he's had a couple of games up around 24 minutes. So, you know, I also asked Tippett about Bouchard taking a lot of responsibility pretty quickly, pretty early in the season here.
1: Well, I think his maturity, uh, um, you know, being around it's not like he's a rookie anymore. He's been around the league. He understands. He understands how to prepare. He understands how to practice. He understands what's wanted uh, or what's needed from him to be successful with our team. So it's uh, maturity of just becoming a a good NHL player has given him the confidence and the wherewithal to jump in and get the job done.
2: So Bouchard, and look, obviously drafted 10th overall by the Oilers in 2018 out of the London Knights, really good offensive defenseman in junior. You look at his draft year with the Knights, 87 points in 67 games played the first seven games of the following season with the Oilers went back to the Knights, 53 points in 45 games. And uh, you know, then Bakersfield Condors played the start of last season in Sweden and Yes, can shoot the puck. We've seen him pass the puck, but he's not just being relied on in offense situation in offensive situations. He's also being used on the penalty kill. And again, if you talk about ice time, total time on the PK so far this season, Darnell nurse, number one, Evan Bouchard, number two. And I asked Bouchard what he thinks it takes to be a good penalty killer.
3: I think it takes buying in. Um, you really all have to be on the same page. And I think, uh, that's what we're doing right now. I think we're building chemistry with uh, everyone out there. I think it's been pretty good so far as a whole. Did you
2: expect to have that role coming into the season that you might be leaned on that much on the PK?
3: Uh, really, I had no idea what to uh, kind of expect. I think uh, we tried different people at different places, and uh, you know, luckily for me, it kind of fit
1: in there, and uh, you know, I'm happy to just play that role.
2: Well, he's doing a good job at it. I like Bouchard's ability to clear the puck once he gets it on his stick with the PK, and I think some of his skill helps there. He's good at finding a seam and being able to snap it down the ice, and I, I think he's he's really improved in a lot of areas, and Dave Tippett commented on Bouchard's growth as a penalty killer.
1: Well, he's a smart player, so he reads situations well. He's picked up our structure very well. He's willing to block shots, willing to sacrifice to to get the job done, so uh, it goes along with the rest of his defending game. His, his defending game is, that's where he knew he had to put some focus on to become a good NHL player. Everybody knows he can move the puck and shoot the puck a ton, but to, to become an everyday reliable NHL player you have to be able to defend, and uh, he's, he's come in and worked on that part of his game, both you know, on the ice and off the ice. He's worked on it, watched a lot of tape with Jimmy, and, and he's just becoming a real good player.
2: And of course, the story for Bouchard last season, and we talked about it on this show. Bob and I talked about it a lot on the face-off show. Stoff talked about it on Oilers Now. Was last season going to wind up hurting Evan Bouchard? That was one of the concerns. Like I said, he started last year in Sweden. He had 17 points in 23 games. Then the NHL season gets going, and he's with the Edmonton Oilers. And if you total the regular season and the playoffs, the Edmonton Oilers played 60 games in the 2021 season. Started in January, ended in for Edmonton in May, went to July, of course, for uh, Tampa Bay and Montreal. Of those 60 games, Evan Bouchard barely played a quarter, didn't quite get to a quarter of them, played, only played 14, had two goals and five points, looked okay when he did play, he was minus two. So Evan Bouchard was with the Oilers all of last season, and not getting into game action so when this year rolls around was that going to hurt him that it was maybe not a lost season but a season in which he he could have played more against a high level of competition well get this Tippett said today that Bouchard wanted to stay in the NHL last year
1: well if you asked Evan and we asked him at points last year do you want to go down and play he said no I'm doing fine right here so there's part of it that Some guys maybe would like to just go down and free will and do it. He thought this was part of the education that he needed. And I think we're seeing the benefits of it now.
2: And Bouchard learned, used last season as school time, as time to get an education. Here's what he said he he learned last year.
3: I think you kind of learn the system, what it takes to be at this level. Um, It's a lot of hard work and a lot of minutes uh, put into it. So I think... um, you know, last year really helped me grow as a, as a person, as a player as well. So I think it was a benefit for me. So you never got frustrated? Well, it is a little frustrating. I think everyone wants to play. Um, nobody wants to sit in the stands, but uh, you got to look at the positive side to it. You know, you're, you're here, you're learning every day, and you just have to keep grinding away.
2: So there you have it from Evan Bouchard, and he's been fun to watch, and I think there are are bigger things ahead for him as well. Eventually, he will be the primary point guy on the power play. Right now, that's Tyson Berry. When they get to the second unit, it's usually Nurse and Bouchard who go on the ice. Eventually, it's going to be Evan Bouchard, you know, at least for the time being, and of course the pairings are going to change all the time, but, you know, Bouchard's been elevated in the lineup five-on-five to play with Nurse. And that pushes Tyson Berry down in terms of how much he plays five on five. I I think eventually, and by eventually, we may not even be talking this season. We could be talking in future seasons. But eventually, Bouchard is going to be the guy on the power play as well. So, so far, so good for uh, Evan Bouchard. Off to a fine start this season. Didn't even mention his stats. He has a goal and three points in five games for Edmonton. Okay, so uh, that's some of the Oilers story today. Again, uh, the update on Mike Smith, same as yesterday, doubtful for tomorrow. Against the Flyers, Miko Koskinen expected to start with Stuart Skinner being the backup. The Edmonton Elks made a trade. You're going to talk. Uh, you're going to hear from the guy that they acquired coming up between 6:30 and 7. Nick Arbuckle, quarterback, is going to be on the show, and uh, I'll give you an update on that situation in Chicago with the Blackhawks. It's Inside Sports on 6:30, Chet. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight, man. A quick start for the Braves. Uh, still batting in the top of the first against Houston. Game one of the World Series. The Braves have jumped out. To a two nothing lead, Oilers in action tomorrow against the Flyers. Our coverage is going to start at six. The game's at eight Friday. Elks against the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Countdown to kickoff at six, and the game will start at seven forty five. As the Elks try to keep their fading playoff hopes alive, or uh, even just win a home game, which would be nice. 0 and five at Commonwealth Stadium so far this season. Well, you know the situation with the Chicago Blackhawks uh, is uh, is not a good one and uh, it's going to be a story that's probably going to keep uh, unfolding here for a while, uh, basically uh, an independent review, finding that the Blackhawks mishandled allegations that an assistant coach sexually assaulted a player during the team's run to the Stanley Cup in 2010. Um, Stan Bowman has uh, stepped down as the Blackhawks GM and president of hockey operations. Uh, The NHL has fined Chicago $2 million for, and I'll read a quote here, the organization's inadequate internal procedures and insufficient and untimely response. So uh, basically you have Brad Aldrich, the former Blackhawks video coach. He was alleged to have sexually assaulted two players with the uh, front office knowing about it and uh, doing nothing about it. So that's where we're at now with this. Uh, Stan Bowman also stepping down from his position as general manager of the United States men's hockey team at the Winter Olympics. There, There is an extensive uh, report online. Uh, it is 107 pages. Uh, I have not read all of it. I, I have read parts of it, and there are some, uh, you know, at best you're going to be uncomfortable if if you read parts uh describing the alleged assault so just just a warning if you do decide to uh to dive into it but obviously it, it outlines a lot of things and i think it calls uh we'll see how the NHL and and certain teams uh handle the situation for example with Joel Quinville who is now coaching the Florida Panthers and denied knowing anything about this a few months ago. And now, you know, he is listed as one of the individuals who knew something about it. Same deal with Kevin shovel who was, uh, who was with the Hawks and is now of course uh, working with the Winnipeg jets. So, some things to keep in mind uh a pretty ugly story you know who knew what when did they know it and ultimately you know why was uh, not more done about it you know aldrich was fired but even through that uh you know he still got to have his day with the stanley cup and uh was shown taking part in celebrations with the chicago blackhawks right after they won the stanley cup so that is kind of the uh Cole's notes of that story, you know, I'm sure you've seen a lot more about it. And again, that entire report is online. It is uh, not reading for the faint of heart, as I said, if you do choose to to dive into that. (laughs) Meanwhile, on the ice tonight, the New Jersey Devils are on the board, but the Calgary Flames still in control, leading that one 4-1 with 7.44 remaining in the first period. We'll uh, have more on the Oilers as we move along tonight. We will also introduce you to the newest member of the Edmonton Elks, quarterback Nick Arbuckle.
0: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app.
2: you know the deal you sign up for that podcast we'll get you an inside sports canned ham best canned hams in the radio business flames leading the devils 4-1 four minutes left in the second period all the scoring by calgary in the first period lightning have now taken control against the penguins three goals in the second period four minutes to go in period two lightning three penguins nothing The Golden Knights with a 2-0 lead on the Avalanche. Five minutes left in the first. Stevenson and Carlson, the goal scorers. Carlson's marker coming shorthanded. Later, Sharks at Predators. Wild at Canucks. Anaheim home to the Jets and the Canadians and the Kraken. Coming up in the National Hockey League. Tomorrow, Oilers and Flyers at Rogers Place. Our coverage starts with the face-off show at 6. Game's going to get going at 8 as the Oilers try to stay undefeated. Now into the bottom of the first in Houston. Game 1 of the World Series. The Braves leading the Astros to nothing. Well, a lot of changes uh, with the Edmonton Elks at quarterback here in the last week or so. Trevor Harris, of course, was traded to Montreal. Taylor Cornelius is going to be uh, your starter here. They're playing Hamilton on Friday, but we do have a new guy coming to town. Quarterback Nick Arbuckle, acquired by the Elks today in exchange for a third round pick and a negotiation list player. And if Arbuckle uh, re signs with Edmonton for next season, that pick is going to become a second rounder. And I'm pleased to welcome Nick Arbuckle to Inside Sports. Hey,
3: Nick, my name's Reed. How are you doing? I'm doing really well, Reed. Thank you so much for having me.
2: Well, thanks for hopping on the show. Obviously, it's been a, a bit of a crazy day for you. I, I understand you're you're still in in Toronto. Do you have plans to? Uh, do you know when you're going to be heading out here?
3: Uh, yeah, my uh, my flight will be leaving out tomorrow morning, so I should be uh, I should be out there in Edmonton before noon tomorrow.
2: Okay, good stuff. You know, Nick, I, I've talked to dozens, if not hundreds, of players who have been traded over the years. And I, I will make an assumption that it's never an easy experience, even if you think it might be a good career opportunity. Tell us how this played out for you.
3: Um, well, I mean, the the news was, uh, you know, just kind of broken me this morning. I was uh, at the facility, uh, you know, getting ready for practice. Me and some of the other quarterbacks were watching film this morning um, together like we do every morning. Uh, and then we... I, you know, uh, pinball just called me. Our, our GM in uh, Toronto. He called me into his office, kind of let me know what happened, and gave me some reasons why. And uh, I just spent the next like two hours of my morning, uh, you know, packing up my stuff, saying bye, saying my byes to everybody. Um, and yeah, spent the, got, got to get sent home and have a nice day off, and um, you know, help my wife take care of the baby uh, who has a little cold. Uh, so it was actually kind of good timing for me to be home and be able to take care of her. Uh, And, and, yeah, we're just trying to figure it out on the fly and, uh, you know, what we're going to do and uh, how this is going to work for us. But we're both really just excited for uh, the opportunity to have a fresh new start in a city that we're really excited to be in.
2: Did you have any sense that a trade was coming or did this blindside you a little bit?
3: You know, I had seen stuff in the media about the potentials of that, uh, you know, like a few weeks ago. I think I started maybe back in, like, earlier October, October. and then I didn't see anything in the media about it for a while. I hadn't heard anything at any point from any of our coaches or, or GM, of course. And uh, so I wasn't exactly sure what was going on. And um, it probably didn't blindside me quite as much as it would have if I'd had no idea that something could have happened or if something was in the talks, but, uh, you know, at least seeing some of that stuff in the media, uh, earlier on than that, I was, um, the talks of trades, um, you know, a couple weeks ago kind of had me prepared for the what if scenarios and had my wife and I at least discuss, uh, what would probably happen or what we'd do if, um, you know, if a trade did happen and what that would look like for us.
2: Well, you mentioned your wife and you mentioned the story, a son or a daughter.
3: Uh, daughter she's 18 months old
2: an 18 month old daughter so a, a, a very young child and I, and I think that's something that uh, you know we don't often talk about with athletes how how it affects the other people in their lives their careers um the the travel the risk of injury and as you're going through the the suddenness of a of a trade so tell us a little bit uh i'm sure your daughter maybe isn't totally up to speed on what's happening quite yet but uh how how they handle this and how they they deal with this type of news
3: uh you know we uh i think we've all handled it a little bit better um given the whirlwind of the past two years—or not even full two full years—have have been um, for us. From uh, you know being traded from Calgary to Ottawa, and then going from Ottawa to Toronto, and, and then you know just in this calendar year in 2021, this is my uh, my third team that I've been on. So it's uh, the the moves and the suddenness of moves and kind of the uh, the lack of knowing i guess you know where or being able to project where you are and and where your future is going to be that's kind of become a realization to us so it's um, a little bit easier for us to roll with the punches and just kind of adapt and adjust our plans and um, you know what we're doing and being able to uh you know, stay happy and stay positive through it all. And, um, you know, th- there's so many great things that are, I know are going to be able to come from uh, me being in Edmonton and, uh, being in an elk now. And uh, my wife and I, we loved our time in Alberta and in Calgary, um, in 2018, 2019, it was probably our, one of the fa- our favorite places we've been, um, you know, in our lives. So we're really excited to be able to, to be there and be back there. Um, so, uh, yeah, we're really, really excited about it. And uh, I think we're doing a lot better than we probably would have if this was maybe our first sudden move in our career.
2: Well, you mentioned your time with the Stampeders, and that was when I first got to see you as a player. Now, you, know, you are coming to Edmonton. You know, I, I don't think you were a Stampeder long enough for for fans here to really... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> really is struggle with you joining the team. But, um, you know, I remember you playing for Bo Levi Mitchell that year and, and you had some, you had some awesome games, uh, uh, and I think you had a, like a thirty-seven ten win or something over Saskatchewan, where where you were pretty impressive. Uh, I, I believe mm-hmm. you went four and three. You're, you'll correct me if I'm wrong, but how much? How big was that? In, in, and I know you know it, it's tough to come in under a circumstance where a teammate and a friend gets injured. But how big for that w- was you? For you, just kind of proving to yourself, like, yeah, I can play as a pro quarterback.
3: I mean, that was. Uh, I think it was. Definitely the biggest moment of my football playing career uh, because, you know, at that point, it was the the last year of my contract um, and, you know, last year of a two-year deal. And in the previous year, I really hadn't been able to get on the field doing very much outside of, you know, quarterback sneaks and all that. Um, So, you know, at that point, who knows if I'm going to be re-signed. You know, I've never really had an opportunity to prove myself to – not only our own team, but you know the teams the other teams around the league that uh, you know I could play at this level um, and improve myself as well. So being able to get that opportunity and the timing of it, uh, you know, is not the way I wanted to make my showcase. You know, in the CFL. Um, but fortunately, Bo was able to make a full recovery from his injury, as well as uh, me being able to get enough playing time and and, and film, um, you know, out there in Calgary and experience some great wins and some, um, you know, some great experiences with my, my teammates and coaches there that I was able to translate that into multiple opportunities now to uh, go to different places around the league and, um, you know, try to be a starting quarterback.
2: Nick Arbuckle joining us on Inside Sports. The Edmonton Elks acquired him in a trade this morning from the Toronto Argos. Look, Nick, uh, you know the Elks are having a tough season with just two wins. And, uh, you know, Taylor Cornelius is uh, going to be the quarterback here, at least for the game against Hamilton on Friday. I'm just, I'm just wondering how you approach the, the situation. Do you just sort of come in and say, I'm going to roll with it every day? Do you set goals for yourself? How do you look at this coming to the Elks?
3: I mean, I guess. Kind of the same approach I've taken every day here in Toronto and kind of just throughout my career, and that's just trying to come in and uh, do the best I can to help everyone around me to the best of my abilities and also uh, get better myself and, you know, improve on something. And for the first couple weeks here, I think the main focus for me is going to be improving on my knowledge and and, uh, comfort in the offense and in the system. Um, It's, you know, a little bit different terminology than I've used before in my career at uh, different places that i've been so there'll be a little bit of learning there um unlike when i was in toronto it's basically the same exact offense we were in, in calgary more or less same terminology so um so yeah so that's going to probably be my main focus here for the next few weeks is getting really comfortable and um, trying to get acquainted with the offense and the terminology and calling and plays knowing you know where everybody is and also just establishing relationships with uh with the players and the team you know we have a I've looked at this roster and seen film on on Edmonton throughout the year, and it's a really very talented team and a lot of great players that I've been able to watch throughout my uh, few years here in the league. And um, I'm looking forward to getting to, uh, to work with uh, Taylor and uh, Dakota and just be part of the quarterback room because we, we had a great quarterback room in Toronto. And, um, you know, I was blessed to be able to be with, uh, with McLeod and, and Pipkin. And we bonded really well throughout the season and had a great friendship. So I know uh, I'm really excited just to be back in a new quarterback room and make new friends and new relationships uh, when I get out of my quarantine in Edmonton. Right.
2: Okay, so here's a fun one for you a two-parter uh how quickly after being traded did the argos ask you to return your playbook and how quickly did the elks get you a new one because it sounds like you've already been able to take a look at some of the elk stuff
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know uh, technology nowadays makes it pretty easy because um, it's not so much of like the turning your playbook you know and you've been traded or cut or anything like that it's more like we all have the the whole league uses this DV Sport 360 app in which you can you know have all the film, cut-ups, um, all the games, practices, and then also your whole playbook is basically on there as well, and they can add new installs for each week. So, um, you know, after this morning, I went on my DV Sport app, and, you know, I'm no longer on the Toronto's profile for it, but I'm on Edmonton, so it was uh, – as quick as that um, of just just logging into your app and you're on, you're on a different team looking at a different playbook.
2: Okay. I wonder how that, I wonder how that works. I I like the image better though of you like reaching into your backpack (laughs) and you have to pull out this, you know, really crumpled up big, binder when you've been studying it and the coach is like give me your playbook arbuckle and you gotta throw it <laughs> on the desk but i guess that's just me uh watching too many movies so nick arbuckle trying to get tonight on uh, on inside sports okay i want to ask you this i want to get to know you a little bit uh tell me about growing up in and pr- forgive me if i'm pronouncing it wrong what was uh life like as a kid in camarillo
3: california is that how you say it that is that is perfect that is great uh pronunciation of that yeah so uh um you know my life growing up in my childhood was was really great um uh- My my dad coached football. Uh, Three older brothers, um, you know, everybody played football. My older brothers played football, played quarterback. And so it was kind of natural progression. I was always just on the football field since I was like three, four years old. And then as soon as I was old enough um, to to play football and put on a helmet, um, I started playing. And uh, I was always a really really big kid um so i played offensive line uh from the time i started playing at seven years old until going into eighth grade i was always just an offensive lineman and uh, i was a good one i was really good athlete but i was just big guy and uh and finally like i told my dad when i was going in eighth grade you know i was like you know i think i'm athletic enough and and good enough to maybe play football beyond high school um, and and go play in college. But I don't want to be a 300 pound human being. You know, I I just, I didn't want to have to be an offensive lineman and have to be as big as I would need to be to play college football at O-line. And so I was like, you know, I want to be like my brothers. I want to try to play quarterback. Um, And he was really skeptical at first, you know, as he should have been. Uh, But then I started my quarterback career and I wasn't that great. Um, as you know my first time ever playing and uh so i didn't start through high school uh didn't start my senior high school i lost the quarterback competition my senior year and didn't want to sit on the bench uh for my last year high school so uh, i got moved to tight end so i could uh, get on the field and i was a captain of the team they didn't want the captain on the bench either um so i started my whole senior year of high school at tight end went on to junior college to play uh to play football there um and play quarterback to try to get a scholarship offer and get some film and I did really well um in California there playing JUCO and, and broke some records and got D1 offers um through that and and you know worked my way eventually to be able to get a CFL opportunity um you know a few years after I got done playing college football but yeah, life in uh life and growing up in in uh, in Camrio was was great very warm um didn't never didn't never saw snow until I was in calgary and in alberta uh but i'm I'm pretty prepared for what an edmonton winter is gonna uh, about to bring on to me um but you know i'm yeah it was it was great if if you have any other specific questions you want me to answer about it I'm definitely an open book for it
2: well, you know what? We'll have to dive into that next time because uh, I because I've taken up a, a lot of your time here, and I know you're you're getting ready to to fly out here tomorrow. But l- let's have you on the show again. You're a great interview, and I think you got a lot of stories to tell. And we uh, wish you all the best here as you join the Edmonton Elks, Nick.
3: Well, I appreciate you, and I'm yeah, I'm always always open to to getting on and, and chatting with you whenever whenever you want. So uh, I appreciate your time. Thank you
2: right on that is Nick Arbuckle checking in tonight on inside sports as he is joining the Edmonton Elks uh, traded this morning from Toronto for the Elks for a third round pick which becomes a second rounder if he does indeed sign a new deal with the Elks good stuff from uh, good stuff from Nick yeah, absolutely wish him all the best and the Elks getting set to take on Hamilton on Friday night we're going to have a uh, current member of the Elks One of the, uh, another great interview by the way we had him on earlier this season during uh, training camp Aaron Grimes is going to join us later on this evening we'll take a quick time out inside sports on all right three nothing Braves leading the Astros top of the second and the uh, Flames up 4-1 on the Devils after two. We'll give you the full scoreboard in a few minutes. So I want to welcome back to the show. Really pleased to have Jerry Haraxi, chairman of the Spirit of Edmonton, checking in tonight. Hey, Jerry, how are things, man? Excellent. Reed. how are you doing tonight? I am doing very well. Thanks for popping on tonight. We just had Nick Arbuckle, a good uh, new Elks quarterback on the show. So excited to see him join the club here. I, I know people with the Spirit of Edmonton are, are always excited but uh you got a bit of an update here. Tell me what's going on now with the spirit of Edmonton.
0: Yeah, you know, we've um we've been tailgating outside uh the West Side for three or four years now. We've had huge success um, you know, all year this year and, and past years and uh Ellen Watt from the Eskimos gave me a call last week or two weeks ago and And said, You know, you guys are so good at tailgating outside. Why don't you move your tailgate inside and make it a destination during the game? Uh, So we jumped at the opportunity to do that. I was so excited. So uh, starting this Friday night, we're going to be located uh, in the West Concession in the Jackie Parker Lounge. We're turning into the spirit of Edmonton in the Jackie Parker Lounge. We're going to have, uh, you know, DJs. We're for the first time ever selling sluice juice inside the stadium uh, available um, in the Spirit of Edmonton room. Uh, Again, we have DJ. We're going to have the three large screens. are going to be showing the game. It's going to be nice and warm in there, Uh, and it's all ages. So, um, you know, family members, uh, minors, everybody can come in and, and, uh, you know, we'll watch the game. We'll listen to some music. We'll have some fun. And uh, just people that haven't experienced what the Spirit of Edmonton is all about uh, can come on out. And, uh, and have a great time and say hi to us. And, you know, we're just really looking forward to uh, another way to support uh, the ALCS organization.
2: Well, that's awesome. So they got the home game uh, this Friday and then another one next weekend to close out the home schedule. How early can people come in for that?
0: So we're going to be open. Well, outside, we always open about two hours before the game. Uh, so I'll be outside, um, you know, serving some samples of sluice, and we've got elk sausage, and we're doing clam chowder this game, so come on by outside. And then when the gates open one hour prior to the game, we'll have our DJ uh, inside at, in the Jockey Parker Lounge um, playing some tunes for one hour prior to the game and then going all night long uh, till about 45 minutes after the game or however long the party's going to go, uh, we'll be there. So, again, really looking forward to it. And if it's a little chilly outside, you know, come on in. Um, you know, it's funny. I've been sitting on the east side of Commonwealth Stadium for 35 years, and I know all the east side is out there listening. Probably haven't been over to the Jackie Parker Lounge, um, but make that trek across the stadium to the west side and uh, come on into the to the spirit of Edmonton and Jackie Parker Lounge because it's just going to be a lot of fun.
2: Well, good for you guys for doing that. So, thanks for updating everybody tonight. Uh, before I let you go, any I know we talked about it briefly earlier this season uh gray cups coming up are you guys going what, what do we know yeah we uh you'll um you know all your listeners tonight will be probably the first to hear it that uh, we have decided 100
0: percent to uh, represent the Elks organization in the spirit of edmonton in hamilton we are just finalizing contracts with our venues for our evening show which is going to be much smaller than we've ever done because uh You know, restrictions were just lifted in Ontario and we need to be responsible and and not do typical spirit of Edmonton. Uh, It's going to be still a fantastic, fun time. And uh, and watch our website for information on our breakfast. We will be doing a full spirit of Edmonton breakfast on the Saturday morning um, in Hamilton. And once we get the contract signed, uh, we'll be... You know, putting putting everything out on social media, and I'll probably give you a call as well, just to make sure that everybody knows. But uh, we're really looking forward to representing again and uh, being in Hamilton in December.
2: See, that's why you're so good at representing the spirit of Edmonton and talking to guys like me in the media, because you you break a story with me live on the air, but also tell me there's more to come. So <laughs> that's always great for well, me. We love you doing guys. it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jerry, right media. on. Th- Thanks a lot for, for checking in. Uh, hope to see you Friday. If if not, uh, you and me personally, thousands of others will. <laughs> so Perfect. good luck yeah, we're there. There
0: this, fr- this Friday and next Friday. So hope to see everybody in the Jackie Parker lounge, Spirit of Edmonton room. Inside, come in and stay warm.
2: There it is, Jerry Heraxi from the Spirit of Edmonton. And as he tells you, they uh, have finalized uh, plans to uh, to go to the Great Cup in Hamilton. They're going to have their full breakfast and more announcements to come.